0: We talked about walking on water and I really believe this year that the Lord is calling us to get into a level that's far greater than we've ever walked with Him before. God's inviting us into this place where we don't just stay in the boat where it's safe for us to be a Christian. But be like Peter and say, Lord, I don't want to just be safe in a boat in the midst of the storm. I want to be like you. I want to walk on water in the midst of the storm. I want to have authority over the challenges of my life and over the challenges of people around me. I want to be able to speak to a storm and calm it. And all I want to be able to walk in the midst of the storm and influence others to walk along with me. And so I do believe that that's the challenge that we have here for all of us. And so, as I was preparing the message this morning, through the week, the Lord's been speaking to me, giving me a glimpse of what He wants to bring us to, together, individually, first of all, but also together as a family. And I do believe it is this one topic here becoming God magnets. Becoming God magnets. And I truly believe God is shaping us into becoming magnets for him. That we would draw. You know, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I know he was talking about the cross. But everything centers around that act. Our entire being, our entire lives in Christ is centered around the work of the cross. And he said, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men. I will draw all women unto me. And that drawing hasn't stopped. For 2,000 over years, the church of Jesus Christ has existed on the earth for one thing only, to draw all men to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the sole answer, the only answer to all our problems in life. I truly believe that. And I'll dedicate the rest of my life to preach that one message. Jesus is the answer. So friends, I really believe God is shaping us into becoming magnets for him. What's a magnet? Now you are really in trouble when your pastor starts talking about science. That's a big problem. But let me read to you what a magnet is. In, I googled this and I think it's pretty okay. Any science teachers here? Otherwise Ian's gonna correct me. Ian, just bear with me. This is what a magnet is. It's a material or object that produces a magnetic field. A force that pulls on other ferromagnetic see big word there. there ferromagnetic materials such as iron and attracts or repels other magnets. So this is the three areas I want to look at. Right with you in its three sermons. First of all, a magnet produces magnetic field. Secondly, it pulls on ferromagnetic material. Right? It pulls on elements that are highly susceptible to magnetism. There are people out there that are highly susceptible to hearing the gospel message. They are asking the right questions. They are asking, where is God? They may not ask it in that sentence, but they are searching for an answer. They are searching. They are tired of the brokenness in their own lives. They are tired of the brokenness in their homes. They are tired of the brokenness that they see among them. And they are searching for answers. These people are ready and ripe for the gospel message. Jesus saw that even in his day. And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for the Father to send harvesters. The third thing that that I want to look at is that a magnet attracts or repels. So we look at that as well. So these are the three areas I want to talk about. As a Christian, our sphere of influence, your magnetic field, my magnetic field, I want to expand our magnetic field that we will be able to touch more. A story like that resonates with us. How many of us, if you've traveled enough, I travel so much, and yet I get so anxious at the airport. Something about that, you know, that just gets you anxious. And whether that's not enough, you go through the security, and that gets you anxious. I hope I don't forget this. I hope I don't forget that. Our sphere of influence. We have stories when we encounter God that's going to increase our sphere of influence. That's why we started this thing and I hope you will take advantage of this in our bulletins newsletter. I'm asking you, if you've got a story that's current now, don't tell me something that happened 20 years ago. Praise God for that. But where's your testimony today? So we want to encourage one another that God is still alive and working among us. And if you have a story to tell that just happened, Keep it brief, because we, we can't write a book every week, you know, newsletters. But I would like some stories that will encourage all of us that we will keep pressing on, keep praying for areas in our own lives that we are looking for breakthroughs, our sphere of influence. But I, I also want to talk to us about how effective are we in using this sphere of influence, that active and effective Influence in drawing people unto Christ. And then I want to talk about the consistency in our walk with God to stay effective as a change agent for God. So that's what I want to talk to you about. My dream for us as a church, for us as a family of God, that we become a magnet individually, and we become a magnet as a church that will draw people to God I'm not talking about drawing into this place, but you know when that happens, this place grows as well. You know? But our dream is that people will come and find Christ and find peace, find joy, find healing, find restoration in their lives, just as we have and we experience continuously. Becoming God's magnets. Jesus was a magnet. He was a magnet. He had a vast sphere of influence. He had power to influence. And he sustained his influence throughout his life on earth. I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 1 and 2. Now, I've only put the verses there in your notes. So you can go and check up on me whether I'm reading the right Bible. right? But let me read to you. Um, Mark, it's an amazing gospel. Because he doesn't start from birth. He starts from Jesus' beginning ministry. And the focus of the, the Gospel of Mark is looking at Jesus as a suffering servant. And how, as a servant of God, how effective he was in doing the master's bidding. And so if he starts with Jesus' baptism and then the temptation in the wilderness. Then Jesus begins to preach the Gospel of the Kingdom. Then you see him in Mark chapter 1, 16-17. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Imagine an impact a man can have on your life, that your entire life turns upside down, Because of his influence. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat, and the hired men. Immediately they follow him. So these were ones who were close to him. Obviously they were following him, listening to his sermons, watching his every move. And then Jesus comes to them and says, Come on, follow me. Immediately they give up everything and they walk and follow Him. Now I'm not saying that we all need to resign and stop doing what we are doing, give up our homes, and all of us go and move into uh, Invercargill and start a Christian um, colony. No thank you. I'm not too bad as a neighbor. Hey, that's not what we're talking about. But I do believe that the moment we encounter Jesus Christ. His magnetic force, His personality, His power, and His very being causes us to resign everything that's within us. Resign our own ambitions. Resign to our own agenda. Resign to everything that is me and demands that I follow Him and Him only. That's the Christian faith. If you won't preach that gospel... This morning, you're getting that gospel. To be a Christian is to leave everything and follow Jesus. Let it go. Because we've tried it our way. I've tried it my way. It doesn't work. I am good. I am a specialist in creating chaos. That's what I do best. And so I think I should stop at some point of time. And let the Creator... Bring shalom into my life. And the moment you do that, that's what it means to be a believer. Letting go everything of me and following Jesus Christ alone. That's what they did. Jesus had that magnetic effect on people's lives. He affected people around him. Mark continues to talk about the effect of his influence around people's lives. In verse 32, that evening after sunset, Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. Can you imagine? He walks into a town. His sphere of influence is not just in his neighborhood. The sphere of influence is the entire town. They gather to come see him and watch his life. Verse 45, Mark says this, The man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. He had just experienced a miracle. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. He couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. He was a magnet. Now you think about it and you think, man, I don't want that type of a life. I don't have crowds and crowds of people crowding around my house. But I tell you what, When you see people's lives transformed, when you see people's lives healed, when you see the joy of the Lord coming into homes, marriages being healed, children turning back to their parents and parents back to their children, when you see physical healing happen, when you see demons cast out and people set free, when you start seeing that in your life, that's life-giving. It doesn't matter how many hundreds come through around you. When you see God move through you and through your life, it's life-giving. And that's why in Jesus' life, He was a magnet. Chapter 2, Mark goes on. In verse 1 and 2, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Jesus was a magnet that had a strong magnetic field. He was an influence. He drew people to him. Now why? Why was that happening? I'm glad you asked. If you didn't ask me that, we'd have to stop right now at 1040. So I can go on preaching, because you asked why. Mark 1.22, he says this, The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. You see, he didn't just speak words. They weren't mere words. They were words that came with power and authority from on high. When he spoke, they were blessed. They sensed the presence of God that come through him into their lives. They were experiencing transformational encounters with God. That's why it was different when he was preaching, when he was speaking, when he was sharing testimonies of what was happening in the lives. they could witness God in and through his life. Verse 26 of chapter 1. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and they came out of him. Verse 31, He went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. Verse 34, Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and He cast out many demons. Now, you may turn around and say to me, Andrew, demons don't exist in New Zealand. They've all moved away. They've moved to Africa, Asia, and South America. They don't exist in Europe and in New Zealand. I have news for you. Even if we don't believe in demons, they exist. They don't require our permission to exist. They exist. And I don't have the liberty to not believe in demons because I get calls I ask, I'm ask, asked for help people come to me and they cannot understand what's going on in their home they cannot understand the troubles that they're going to the supernatural stuff that they're experiencing they have no answer for and they, who do they turn to? they turn to the church who else has an answer? medical science gives them a medication thank God for medicine but you can't medicate the demonic powers It's true today as it was thousands of years ago. Just because we've progressed and we have internet doesn't mean demons don't exist. Verse 42, instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Chapter 2 verse 12, the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Why was Jesus a magnet? This is why. This is why his fear of influence was growing. Because every time people encountered Jesus, they were healed. They were restored. They were set free. Things were happening in their lives. They were encountering God. Our relationship with Christ must be a transformed life that produces transformational encounters. Our transformed life when we walk out there produces transformation for others. That every morning we come out of those, the closed doors with the Lord. We seek Him. We encounter Him. And the moment we walk out of that encounter with God, we carry this encounter with us. And maybe somebody out there that you will encounter in your walk, in your visit to the supermarket, maybe somebody out there, when they talk to you, when they see your smile, when you greet them, maybe they will encounter God because you carry the encounter of God within you. We are magnets. And when we get into the the closed doors with Jesus Christ, you get magnetized. And when you walk out, you draw all men unto you. That's my dream for us as a church. That we will draw people to an encounter with God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's what the scriptures are there for. That's what the gospels are there for. That's what the book of Acts is there for. Not to just tease us that this is what they did. It's to invite us to see God move even in our lives today. Jesus was a magnet. The early church was a magnet. Acts 2.43 A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles. Many miraculous signs and wonders. Acts seven, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand. Helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking, then leaping, then praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar, that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's Colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Acts 4.4, many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Acts 5.14 Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women as a result of the apostles' work. Sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. There's a lot of scriptures that we need to rip apart if we don't believe in this. The church was full of transformed lives that produced transformational encounters. Jesus was a magnet. The early church was a magnet. We are called to be God's magnets. I want to close with 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 if you'd opened it with me today 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 2 Corinthians 2:14 2, friends this is burning in my heart for us all including myself i want to experience god in another level i want to hear stories look i could share with you stories every time i go overseas i see the miracles i see things happen overseas I don't want to tell stories about overseas. I want to tell stories about our home. I want us to tell stories of God moving among us. I love going to Asia. Don't get me wrong. But my desire deep in my heart is to see God work among us here in our neighborhoods. And I want to see us becoming magnets for God. For one reason only. That they may experience what we experience. The fellowship with Jesus Christ and the fellowship with one another that brings healing, restoration and strength. 2 Corinthians 2.14 But thank God, the Apostle Paul is saying, thank God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Let me pause there. He's talking about captives and then he's talking about triumphal processions. What is he talking about? How can you be a captive and still walk triumphantly? Doesn't make sense. Unless you know the metaphor he's using. The Romans will come to a city and they will conquer that city. And so everyone in the city are captives. But you can choose now. If you choose to pay allegiance to the emperor... Then you join this procession celebrating the emperor and his reign and rule in the city. And so you walk with that triumphal procession. Jesus Christ, the king of kings, has waged war and he's conquered the devil. Healing and deliverance and restoration is now our food. You see, uh, I don't know about that Andrew. Then why do we pray the Lord's Prayer? Because we say the Lord's Prayer so often. Do we really believe the Lord's Prayer? Part of the Lord's Prayer is this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say this every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, your kingdom come on earth. Your will come on earth. That means your kingdom come. As it is in heaven, your rulership in heaven, we are asking that your rulership will be on earth. As it is your will in heaven, then we ask for your will to be done on earth. How many of you know there is there are no there is no disease in heaven? If there is no disease in heaven, then the will of God is that the earth has no disease. You know, why pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we are seeking. We are seeking that heaven come down on earth. That's the role of the church. We are called to bring down heaven to earth. We are called to bring His kingdom to earth. We are called to bring His will to earth. And that's, that's the desire in my heart for my life, for the sphere of influence around me. But I am just full of this call of God that He inviting us to the next level of our walk in Jesus Christ. I'm looking for that. I'm looking for people coming here and say something happened to my neighbor this week. I'm looking for stories that I prayed for somebody and they got healed immediately. I prayed for somebody that was chaos in the home and immediately the peace of God came upon the home. I was walking in the supermarket somebody was a, a, a mom with children and she was just all over the place and I just held her hand just for a few minutes and the peace of God came upon her. I'm looking for stories like that and I know that in Christ we are going to see these stories come about in our lives. Amen. Look at the Apostle Paul. Thank God he has made us his captives continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up To God. This is my invitation to all of us. In the midst of our own challenges. Of our own lives. Don't forget this. We are fragrance of Christ. You know when a fragrance. When you put a fragrance into a place. That aroma. Changes the atmosphere. In that place. When you wake up tomorrow morning. Remember. In the midst of all the stench. That's around you. You are a fragrance. Stand up, walk, and move around and be the fragrance God has called us to be. And let's fill this earth with the fragrance of Christ wherever we go. Just be a child of God. Transform lives, producing transformational encounters. Jesus was a magnet. The disciples were magnets. The early church was a magnet. Let us let God shape us in becoming God magnets. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.